Blog Talk Radio. How does a young woman disconnect from her sister's complaining but stay connected and supportive of her sister while she goes through an abusive relationship? And what does a father-in-law do when he's being wrongfully accused by his son-in-law in order to put a wedge between he and his daughter? Also, is it normal to want to make love to gorgeous strangers? These are the questions I will be answering today, along with important info to help you find your way along the spiritual path. And some cool facts about cinnamon, the spice of the day. Welcome to Slightly Askew with Nancy at Noon, the show that takes an honest look into the heart of all things that shape the fabric of your entire life. And now, here's Nancy. Hello, I've got three really great questions for you today, so I'm just going to dive right into them. Dear Nancy, what do I do? My sister is with this guy who very clearly told her he doesn't love her and never will. He doesn't want to date her and never will. He's an alcoholic that lost his license several times and he sleeps with other women. She is putting her own life on hold taking care of this jerk, driving him to work and back, buying his groceries, making his meals, teaching him how to raise his weekend kid, and he's not even nice to her. When he gets in a bad mood, he gets violent and yells at her and throws her stuff against the wall. Then she calls me and complains for hours. She told me she's terrified of him when he gets like that. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's draining and I have my own problems to deal with. Remember, I'm having a baby. But I can't tell her that because I want her to know she can always come to me if she needs me. I don't want us to grow apart. She's my only sister and we are really close. If anything happened to her, I'd kill myself. Signed, Millie. Oh, dear Millie, you've got yourself in a pickle, haven't you? Very similar to Susie's situation, except that Susie wasn't dealing with a sibling or a close family member. You may want to listen to episode number five, where I gave Susie some options for dealing with her negative boyfriend who comes over and dumps all his stuff on her. He goes home feeling better, and she ends up feeling worse. You probably aren't going to want to hear this, but everything in our lives is our own creation, hard as that may be to believe. Why would we want to cause ourselves so much torment and pain? Well, you've set up a difficult challenge in your life in order to untangle the web of delusion that keeps you spinning in this place of self-sabotage. And when you break free, you are going to skyrocket into freedom. The self-sabotage is about consuming someone else's toxins in the name of compassion, love, and support. Where is the compassion, love, and support for yourself? It can't be there for anyone else until it is fully there for yourself. What I'm hearing is that you're not ready to let go yet because letting go probably feels to you like you're letting go of your sister. A few weeks ago, I interviewed an organizational expert and we talked about how we hang on to a beautiful dress in the hopes that we will go to the Royal Ball one day. Letting go of the dress is often mistaken for letting go of the dream. It's not. It's just the dress. You wouldn't be letting go of your sister. I could say that if you set her free, if she truly wants a healthy relationship with you, she will ditch the guy, turn her victim behavior into positivity, so she isn't venting her negativity on you. But that requires time and patience, and the chance that both of you will grow a lot older before that happens is a real possibility. I say this from experience. When I was in my early 20s, my older sister used me as a scapegoat for everything that upset her in life, even if I had nothing to do with it, which I never did. We were we even lived in two different countries. I don't I don't think she knew she was doing it. I couldn't say or do anything right no matter how hard I tried, so I stopped engaging, stopped fueling the fire. 
It took 30 years before we reconnected in a meaningful sister-to-sister way. Now my brother is behaving the same way towards me. Unfortunately, at this age and stage of life, one or the other or both of us could be dead if it takes if it takes another 30 years to heal whatever is going on here. The thing is, I have no animosity, no anger or hard feelings towards my brother, nor did I towards my sister. And I'm sensing that you don't have any towards your sister either. Otherwise, you wouldn't be so adamant about always being there for her. I made every effort to find out what I did that hurt my siblings or made them so angry, but it wasn't about me. I have a carte blanche apology still in effect. But I got tired of trying. There are some people that just take absolutely everything in life personally because they have deep issues of their own to heal. And it's easier to blame someone else than to take responsibility for yourself. I learned my lesson and decided my brother will come around when he decides to come around. And in the meantime, I'm moving on with my life. What it took me to realize is that since I am the creator of my own reality, I created or attracted them into my life for a reason. And that reason for all of us is to present us with a challenge that we can learn to master. This challenge you've created for yourself is about achieving a higher level of freedom and authenticity on your journey to total liberation. You can't know God or the divinity within, the one universal energy force, whatever you want to call it, until you know your true self. And these difficult situations we encounter can either pull us deeper into the quagmire or be used as a treasure map to the way out. Your sister is in a toxic relationship with her non-boyfriend. You, Millie, know that quite clearly, and there is a good chance she knows it too. But until the perceived pain is greater than the fear of what she thinks she is losing, she will continue to enable this dude in an attempt to mother and rescue him. And there's not much you can do about it. If she gets tired of him, she'll probably find another guy with similar abusive patterns until she learns her own lessons and transcends this type of relationship altogether. I'm betting she probably had several of these relationships prior to to this current guy. Notice I said perceived pain, because until your sister actually wakes up, she won't see the depths of the damage she is causing herself and the people who actually care and love her. It goes so deep. It punctures her heart like a flaming dagger that's been dipped in poison, and it robs her soul, leaving her barren and empty. I don't understand why people are surprised when they're diagnosed with cancer or some horrible terminal illness. As Carolyn May says, your biography becomes your biology. It may be helpful to ask your sister a few questions next time you talk to her. Number one, does the non-boyfriend make excuses for himself? Excuses for why he is who he is or why he can't be who he wants to be or do what he wants to do? Number two, does he believe the hardships in life outweigh the good that will come or that's already been here? or that's here right now? Number three, do you feel exhausted when you are around him? And number four, my favorite, do you feel you need to get help or support in some way as a result of being with him? Ask your sister these questions and ask her what needs of her own are being met when she engages with this guy. He's fulfilling some need in her life. Maybe like Susie, he fulfills a void for companionship or love. Let your sister know that if she answers yes to those questions, then this relationship is not empowering her. She has all the facts. She is not an alcoholic recovery center, and until he decides to clean up his life, he is robbing her soul. Your sister's job is not to make her addicted non-boyfriend happy. That's nobody's job. I'm going to tell you the hard part about all this. 
Women with a healing nature or the ability to help others see beyond the bad boy image and the superficial persona to the really nice man inside. And even beyond that to the wounded child that causes man to act like the jerk he is today. And there's the rub, as Shakespeare would say. There are a lot of mixed signals coming at your sister from this non-boyfriend. I'm betting it's pulling her in every direction possible. She probably doesn't understand how he can be nice one minute, then throw her belongings against the wall the next. How he doesn't want to date her, but is jealous when any other man shows interest in her. I don't want you, but no one else gets to have you either. A lot of possession going on there. Millie, if you tell your sister the facts and she decides to continue down the path of rescuing this guy, then this is the path she has chosen for herself. It's super unhealthy and sad, but it's her life. If, on the other hand, she has ever talked to you about a different life that she dreams about, such as being in a relationship of equals where the man loves and supports her, gives back as much or more than he receives, a partner who lives in integrity, honor, trust, kindness, and compassion, then some way, someday, she will pull herself out of this self-abusive rut for good. When you have a nurturing and healing nature and you think you are in love with someone or the idea of who he could be if he would just change and stop drinking, it's hard to know the difference between enabling, helping a friend, and self-sabotage. We always think we're helping them, but we're not. They didn't ask for help. They don't want it. You may want to let your sister know that if she is visiting Ohio and wants to return to her home in California, but every morning when she leaves the house she drives east, she's never going to reach home. And by home, I'm referring to that place of inner peace and joy that isn't found in toxic relationships. She's not going to reach her goal of a partner who truly loves, honors, and cherishes her when she doesn't honor or cherish herself. There's no vibrational match to a man who does love, honor, and cherish himself. The vibrational message she's sending out is that she accepts abuse. She's willing to allow men and women, because it, it won't stop at men, to take advantage of her and take her for granted. I rented a room to a guy once. He stayed for a long time. He was decent enough, paid his rent on time, cleaned up after himself, all the typical things you would want and expect someone who to do who's staying in your home. A couple of days after he left, I felt so light and free. I had no money coming in, and this should have been very worrying for me, but I realized that I had allowed him to drain my energy for a couple of years. I got used to his negative energy and didn't realize how far it had brought me down. I would say good morning. He'd ignore me as if I didn't even exist. Or he'd just grunt. I'd say hello when he got home from work. He just went straight to his room. I eventually stopped greeting him in any way whatsoever. I had another renter who only stayed a short time. I remember it was the first week she was here. I was doing something in the kitchen when she walked in. I said, hi, how was your day? She didn't acknowledge me at all, marched to her room, then texted me and said not to talk to her when she gets home. She has a lot on her mind. I can tell you she didn't last long for a lot of other reasons. I thought I was just being nice, but I was allowing these renters to blast their negativity at me, the man in a passive way and the woman in a very aggressive way. Unknowingly, I enabled their behavior and disabled my own self-respect. I thought I had to put up with their behavior because it was my only income and rude, self-centered people seemed to be the only people who rented rooms. That is true also for other women in my town who rent rooms. But it was true for me because I had an unconscious energy that said, you can treat me any way you want because I'm open and accepting of everyone. 
What I had to learn was that being open and accepting is fine, but having boundaries is just as important. I didn't like the renters in my home treating me so poorly. I felt like I was between a rock and a hard place too, Billy. They were my income. If they left, who knew when another renter would come along? How long could I go without paying bills and eating? For you, the question is, how long can you be without your sister? And how willing are you to take that chance? Now, Millie, if you agree with anything I said, it may serve you to apply it to your own relationship with your sister. Because what you have with your sister is also toxic. Why do you feel responsible for her to the point where you would sacrifice your own life if anything happened to her? I'm hoping you did not mean that literally. Set some conversation ground rules. You have not been placed on this earth to be her venting receptacle. I get the sense that once she dumps on you, she doesn't do anything to resolve the problems she's complaining about. She's probably quit this non-boyfriend guy and gone back to him again and again and again and again. It's the classic abused woman syndrome. Or if she does resolve one problem, more and more just keep coming because something in her approach to life is flawed and continually bringing her negative experiences. She may need qualified professional help that you may not be able to personally provide for her. And since you are very close sisters, consider making a pact with her that all conversations between the two of you will be positive and uplifting, with the intention to leave both of you feeling energized, that neither of you will speak poorly about anyone in your lives. Reach for the positive. Find the good qualities in people, but, you know, look with clear eyes. People will always return to their wounds, to the story around their pain. This is a pattern that, when broken, gives us all a chance to create a new narrative. What do you want your life to be like? What kind of people do you want to be around? What values do you hold dear? This will be a good conversation to have with your sister. Take the advice you want so much to give your sister and apply it to your relationship with your sister. Hope that helps. That's all I've got for you today, Millie. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Stay with us because I've got a couple more relationship questions coming right up. Today's spice is cinnamon. Do you know that cinnamon comes from the bark of evergreen trees? Yep. And yet somehow it doesn't taste like evergreen. It's grown and harvested in quite a few countries like Indonesia, Brazil, Sri Lanka, India, China, Burma, and Arabia, just to name a few. There are hundreds of different types of cinnamon, but the harvesting process is basically the same in all countries. Number one, the outer bark of the evergreen tree is shaved off. Number two, then the next layer, the inner bark or cinnamon layer, is shaved out and dried. Number three, when it dries, it naturally curls into those cute little cinnamon straws you put in your hot apple cider. And number four, the powdered version is just ground down cinnamon sticks. According to the six tastes of Ayurveda, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent, cinnamon is both sweet and pungent. It's also a warm spice, unlike coriander, which is a very cooling spice. Not only is cinnamon a super common spice to use in baking, it also has beneficial healing properties, of course. In regards to nutritional value, it's 46% manganese, 11% fiber, and 5% calcium. Who knew? In regards to healing properties, one of the coolest things about cinnamon is that just smelling its fragrance boosts brain activity. 
In studies that were done, people who inhaled the aroma of cinnamon had improved attention processes, virtual recognition memory, working memory, and visual motor speed. One factor related to this may be that cinnamon significantly elevates the sodium benzoate levels in your brain, which has a positive impact on brain function. It stimulates the birth of new neurons. They claim that eating cinnamon may prevent age-related neurological disorders such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. It's also great for circulation, which has to do with heart and blood. Thus, it comes as no surprise that on a spiritual level, cinnamon is used to stimulate mental powers, open the heart chakra, clear energy blocks, and it may even stimulate the flow of money. And it is said to reduce blood sugar levels in people with type 2 diabetes. And it's been known to reduce cholesterol levels by 25%. That benefit alone creates a huge impact on the health and well-being of your whole body. There is one warning you need to be aware of. As I mentioned, cinnamon contains a chemical called sodium benzoate, which elevates brain function. But high doses of sodium benzoate, when combined with vitamin C, produce a carcinogen. So you might want to avoid that deadly combo. In Egypt, it was used for preserving mummies. I'm not a doctor. I'm just here to let you know that answers and remedies to whatever ails you on a mental, emotional, physical, spiritual level are easily accessible. You don't have to rely on the pharmaceutical corporations to fix one ailment only to leave you with 10 others due to side effects and whatever. I'm also here to tease you into wanting to know more about natural remedies that are sitting in your own kitchen. It's always a good idea to do more research before you dive into anything new. So this week, as you embark upon your creative culinary journey, I invite you to look at cinnamon a little differently. Become aware of its qualities, warm, sweet, pungent, and find ways to use those qualities to improve some aspect of your life or a loved one's life. If you have a child who is afraid of the dark or going to bed at night, make a potpourri for his room. If you have a teenage daughter who is silent and moody, Give her a warm cinnamon drink to help her open her heart chakra and start the communication flowing. And for yourself, just breathe in the fragrance and feel uplifted. Until next time, my friends, don't forget to spice it up. Spice it up. alrighty we are back and ready to tackle the second question of the day. Dear Nancy, I was overseas visiting my daughter, my son-in-law, and my granddaughters. When I left, I took a taxi to the airport because both my daughter and son-in-law were at work. I thought we had a good time when I was there, but something strange happened when I got home. My son-in-law, Dean, called and asked if I saw two packages that were on the kitchen counter. I said, no, I didn't see anything. Then, in a very accusing manner, he said, your suitcase was right beside them, as if I took them. He was accusing me of stealing those packages. I didn't even see them. I had no idea what was in those packages. But I found out later when I talked to my daughter that it was garlands. I'm a 68-year-old man. Why would I want garlands? And one morning when I was there, Dean asked me why there was a shot glass on the table. He was accusing me of drinking his liquor. What's going on here? I've had other more serious problems with Dean in the past. Really, really serious ones. I have a good relationship with my daughter. Is he trying to push me away and push us apart? Signed, Perturbed Papa. Wow. Okay, I find that one of the most difficult things in life is to live with false accusations. doesn't matter what you do to prove your innocence. If someone wants to blame you for something, they're going to blame you for it. 
The sad part is that as time goes on, the accuser often starts believing their own lies and the stories they make up. Maybe in some way they think it exonerates them from the guilt of lying and slandering or wrongdoing or whatever it is they did, but it doesn't. It creates all kinds of hell in their lives. I read this morning about how many old women, 70 to 80 year old women, are in prison in India for crimes they did not commit. That made me absolutely sick. Family life is set up differently over there than it is over here in the West. Many generations of families live together. The new wife moves into the home of her husband's family. These senior women in prison were falsely accused by their daughters-in-law. Can you even imagine that? The daughters-in-law wanted them out of the house. In some instances, the sons set up cameras in the house and actually caught the wives at their dirty deeds. This is horrendous and incredibly sad. I just cannot imagine someone who would do this. I'm going to tell you something, perturbed Papa. The reason I'm answering your question is because my one main message in life is self-responsibility. Everybody needs to learn personal responsibility. That means you have to be responsible for your own happiness. Those bitter and resentful wives in India need to learn to be responsible for their own happiness too. They've got some bad karma coming to them. Unfortunately, people are going to lie. Our kids are going to lie and accuse us of things we never did. Our neighbors are going to lie. Even our lawyers are going to lie. Yeah, that's probably not such a surprise. The point is, we can't control what other people do or don't do. We can only be responsible for ourselves. Sounds like your son-in-law wants to create some drama in his life. If you want to play the game of drama, by all means, jump in. If you don't want to play, then drop it all together. Disengage. If your daughter wants to believe the lies her husband tells her, that's her business. If it affects the relationship between you and your daughter, then sit down and have a talk with her. Beyond that, all you can do is keep reaching for something higher. Understand that people who do these things do them out of ignorance. Yeah, I know their actions and words are very deliberate, but their understanding of life is very limited. When you realize this, your only course of action is compassion. There's not a whole lot left that's higher than compassion. When we are kind, considerate, and respectful, we often think other people are just like us, but they're not. It takes work to build your spiritual muscle. Some people are still stuck in their first and second chakras, building their physical muscles and grabbing for money and for power and for possession and, and position. They don't understand, but we think they do. I'm sure you've heard the saying, don't feed pearls to swine. Well, that is your growth lesson here, my friend. Figure out how that applies to your life and the situation you asked me about, and you will have your answer. All right, we are on to the third question. I'm just whipping through these today. <laughs> okay. Dear Nancy, if I meet a beautiful woman and I want to make love to her now, I think that's normal. What do you think? Signed, Hans from Switzerland. Well, what I think is that that is the shortest question I've had so far. And I also think you want to become one with beauty, one with love, and you want to be wrapped up inside it and surrounded by it, engulfed in it. And I think that beautiful woman is just a reflection of the part inside yourself that you haven't fully connected with yet. Otherwise, you would be grateful and appreciative that she reminded you of who you truly are, and you wouldn't want anything from her. You wouldn't have the desire to make love to her. You would just shine like the beacon of light that you are. That's what I think. Normal or not normal, there is no such thing, my friend. It's about awareness and lack of awareness. All right, just a little bit more insight for you today. To attain your higher state and live the truth of your soul, there's a path that is already laid out for you. 
It's a given. And like everything else in life, we need instructions to reach our goals. When you go to a gym, you have a personal trainer show you the best workout for your specific needs and body type. When you're building a house, you hire a contractor who lays out a plan. He starts with a blueprint, a map to your destination, and a plan of action. It doesn't make sense to build the roof before laying the foundation. Nor does it make sense to start lifting 200-pound weights when you've never worked out a day in your life and you're overweight with a heart condition. The trainer will tell you that you need to get in shape before you can tackle the 200-pound weights or you'll kill yourself. He will start you on a gentle exercise program that is approved by your doctor, of course, with cardio and, you know, maybe some light weights. Same with your spiritual goals. There is an orderly process to attaining enlightenment. Your personal goal may not be enlightenment, but I guarantee that everything you want beyond survival goals lies somewhere along the spiritual path. To reach them, there's a very clear set of instructions. You can figure it out on your own, but having a mentor, teacher, or guide saves you a heck of a lot of time. And if your goal is to achieve lasting happiness, can you afford to wait 20 years to find it on your own? Nope. That's why we hire masters to teach us. You know, we're clearly in the information age. Look back to the dark ages when books were destroyed and only very high up people like the Pope or a select few in his circle were even permitted to have contact with any written information or sacred documents. It was about control of the people. Without information or the knowledge valid information can bring us, we are powerless, which is exactly where the church and sovereignty wanted the masses to be, powerless. Powerless people are easier to control, firstly because they don't know any better, and secondly because they don't know any better. Basically, it boils down to lack of awareness. Powerlessness is lack of awareness. Today, we have too much information. It's everywhere at the touch of our fingertips. And to some extent, we are in the same place they were in the Dark Ages. Powerless because we still don't know what the truth is. The truth doesn't come from out there. Information is kind of like food. What you eat or take into your body or how, we, how you process and digest it is going to determine whether you are nurturing yourselves or feeding yourself toxins. Same with information. It can either nurture your wisdom or create toxic beliefs that cripple your progress. I remember many, many years ago, after I finished my fine arts degree in university, I bought a book of beautiful watercolor paintings. I loved the artist's style. His name was, I think it was Don Andrews, and he was a member of the American Watercolor Society. I absolutely loved his work. He was, he was facilitating a five-day painting workshop in Toronto, and I, I really wanted to attend. I live about three hours away from Toronto, and, well, I had just finished weaning my my first child. She was still very young, and it was a very vulnerable time in her life, so it wasn't an easy choice for me to make to be gone for five days. But I chose to attend the workshop, knowing my daughter was in the good hands of her father. Anyway, one of the women in the class asked Dawn about taking some classes by local teachers in her area that weren't as experienced or expensive. This This Toronto workshop was a high-cost workshop at that time. I'll never forget his answer, though. He said, when you learn anything, learn it from the highest master you can afford, because otherwise you are wasting your money and your time, and it could even set you backwards, and you will have to unlearn things those teachers were not knowledgeable enough to teach you properly. You won't get where you want to go from someone who isn't where you want to be. I totally paraphrased his words, but the message is so strong and clear. It holds true in all areas of our lives. After the workshop, when I got home, my baby ignored me. She was very young. I don't remember exactly how old, but probably not more than a year. It took several days before she warmed up to me again. 
I'm sure she felt a sense of abandonment. No matter what path we choose or choices we make, they all come with sacrifices and consequences, even the path to something so natural as happiness. In episode number five, Sixamer Ditchum, Susie had to make the choice of hanging on to a boyfriend who was sucking her dry emotionally and physically, or of letting him go. It sounds like an obvious and easy choice to make, but, you know, when you step into her shoes, into her life, her beliefs, and her needs, it's not really so easy, because in some way her boyfriend was fulfilling an unconscious need in her life. When he is gone, Susie may experience a real void, even though he was an energy-sucking vampire in human form. If she fills that void with self-love, self-nurturance, and, you know, something that feeds her soul... She will never allow someone to treat her, anyone to treat her like that again. Those people will simply fall off her radar because she gained awareness about herself and grew from the experience. If Susie looks at this as though she is losing a friend and a lover, she will remain in victim mentality. If she sees this as moving a step closer to ultimate lasting happiness, she will be building her self-esteem and self-empowerment muscles. So, same for you, Millie and Hans, and Perturbed Papa. Start building those spiritual muscles. That's it for today. If you are into stories, I started a series last week in episode number 7, I believe it is. It's the true story of Hector and Diana, a prison story. I've had such a great response from it, so I'm reading the next letters from it next week in episode number 9, so be sure to tune in. Until then, you know where you can reach me if you have any questions. My email is nancy at nancy at noon dot com and my website is nancy at noon dot com, same as the name of my show. Thank you, Millie, Perturbed Papa, and Hans from Switzerland. Until next time, keep it real, keep it wise, and keep it responsible. Thanks for joining us again on Slightly Askew with Nancy at Noon. We've enjoyed your company and hope it's been fun for you too. If you like what you're hearing, please share us with your friends and family because well they might like us too. You can find us online at nancyatnoon.com. We've got fascinating blog posts, recipes, self-help books, weight loss CDs, coaching programs, art, jewelry, and all kinds of other cool stuff. Go ahead and check us out. nancyatnoon.com. You'll be glad you did.